Good morning and welcome to today's public affairs programming here on KNCI. KCZO, KYMX, and KHTK. Operated by Bonneville International, I'm Cody Robinson. My first guest is Panama Bartholomew with the Building Decarbonization Coalition. He's here to discuss the Switches On campaign, which encourages homeowners to swap out their gas appliances for clean, environmentally friendly electric appliances. He'll discuss how much money you can save over time, rebates, and how you can find local vetted trained technicians to install them for you. Thanks for being with us. Could you introduce yourself and provide a little background on what you do? Thank you, Cody. My name is Panama Bartholomew, and I'm a director of an organization called the Building Decarbonization Coalition. And the coalition is a group of different organizations that are working to get pollution out of buildings. Um, We're made up of utilities and the manufacturers of heating equipment like furnaces and water heaters, uh, architects and installers, local governments, and other nonprofits that are all working together to try to make sure that we can move pollution out of our buildings and be able to still provide heat in our lifestyle without um, any of the attendant uh, pollution that comes from it. Great. So right now you're spearheading a campaign called The Switch Is On. Could you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, thank you for asking, Cody. The Switch Is On campaign is really what we're trying to do is a go-to resource for consumers to be able to find out anything that they need to know about um, how to electrify their homes. Um, Home electrification is going to be playing a much bigger role over the next decade in both uh, new home construction as well as existing home renovations. And when I talk about home electrification, I'm basically talking about um, your furnace, your water heater, your stove, and your clothes dryer. And what our organization focuses on is how do we get rid of the gas versions of those because those are causing a lot of pollution in homes and in communities and instead moving those over to running on um, electricity. We have a really clean electricity grid in California and so it makes a lot of sense um, both from a pollution perspective as well as a saving money perspective uh, to be switching over um, switching those appliances over to electricity. And so people have a lot of questions about it, though, you know, like, why is electricity better? And what will this do to my bills? And where can I find a contractor that will actually help me on this? And are the rebates available? And so we wanted to try to answer all those questions through one big campaign. And that campaign is called The Switches On. And you can see the campaign website is switcheson.org. And there you can find all the answers to all the questions you might have about why and how you'd switch over to electrification, a pre-screened list of contractors that are going to help you down this journey, um, a list of all of the rebates available to you based on your zip code, and then one-on-one advisors that can help walk you through any questions or the peculiar uniquenesses about your house, be able to help you on it. So that's what the Switches On campaign is. Great. So how does this campaign benefit homeowners? That's a great question, Cody. So one of the key things about um, electrification is that the technologies that are available for heating your home, uh, for heating your water, for heating your food are incredibly efficient. These are amazing technologies that are available right now. They're about three to four times more efficient than your best-in-class gas alternative to heating those spaces or that water. And so the real benefit to homeowners is you you have an opportunity to cut your monthly utility bills uh, by installing these electric versions of those appliances, as well as reducing pollution in your home and in your community. Um, One of the things that people don't realize is 
we've done an excellent job about reducing smog coming from power plants and coming from cars in California over 40 years of work. We haven't done that much on buildings. And right now, burning gas in buildings is producing five times more smog than all of our power plants in the state and twice as much smog as all of our cars in the state. And so electrifying your home is a great way to be both reducing pollution inside your home and protecting your family and your children, um, as well as reducing that pollution within our communities. I didn't know all that. That's really good information. So what financial incentives are there? Well, we have been working a lot in California about getting financial incentive programs available for homeowners. And the good news is there are now um, statewide incentives to be able to help buy down the cost of installing a, um, a air conditioning and heating system, um, a water heating system, and in some areas, even a brand new stove. And so if you go to the website, switcheson.org, and you go to the what rebates are available to me, you can type in your zip code, and all those programs are going to pop up. Right now, you can find programs that can give you anywhere from $2,500 to $5,000 off the cost of replacing your furnace um, with what's called a heat pump um, that provides both cooling and heating. It's basically an air conditioner that can run in reverse. So an air conditioner, you think of it, is it really it's pumping cold air into your into your house. A heat pump is an air conditioner that can run in reverse and pump hot air um, into your house oh. as well as cold air. And so you can get anywhere from $2,500 to $5,000 off right now in California through that program. You can get about $2,000 off of the cost of a water heater, a heat pump water heater um, in your home. And then in certain areas of the state, such as in Sacramento area, Um, And in the Bay Area, you can have about $500 off the cost of buying a new uh, magnetic induction stove um, to be able to have that in your house. But if you want any of that information and details about the technology, the best place to go is to our website, switcheson.org. You can see all this information and find access to the rebates. Fantastic. So what about appliances? What appliances can people switch and where should they start? Yeah, it's a a great question. Um, The two biggest consumers of gas and the two biggest impacts on your utility bill um, are your water heater and your furnace. Mm -hmm. And it's a big impact this year because gas prices have increased significantly this year. Um, Gas prices are up 90% over last year Mm -hmm. um, due to a global uh, shortage in production as well as Uh, Here in America, we're choosing to export a lot of our natural gas out of the country. And so the opportunity to electrify is really one to start to get away from these wild price swings of gas, which is really a global market, and have our heating system rely more upon a local um, system that we here in California control, our electricity system. We were able to stabilize electricity prices for the last 40 years. And so the, the key appliances for a homeowner's bill is really your furnace and your water heater. And the technologies are to replace those are something called heat pumps. And heat pumps have been around for almost a century. Um, they're amazing technologies, and it basically uses the same technology as your refrigerator. Um, your refrigerator uses a, a gas, a refrigerant. Um, and if you look on the back of your refrigerator, that's what all those coils are, is a refrigerant running through there. And then a condenser to be able to help to use that refrigerant to transfer heat from one area to another. You can use that same methodology 
to transfer heat in and out of a home or to transfer heat into a water tank to be able to heat your water. And so you think of it as a refrigerator. If you put your hand on the back of your refrigerator and you feel those coils and they're always warm, that's because the condenser and the refrigerant is extracting heat out of the refrigerator and then putting it into your kitchen or wherever you have your refrigerator. And that same technology is used in heat pumps. And the beauty is, the reason why it's so efficient is instead of burning gas to create heat for your water heater or your furnace, what you're doing is you're using electricity just to run that condenser and potentially a fan. And so you're using just a fraction of the energy that you would to produce the same heat that you want in your home or your uh, water heater um, compared to a gas version of that. Three to four times more efficient um, on a heat pump to do that rather than a gas. So how much would you say it costs to electrify a home? Yeah, it's, you know, every home's different. So I'm going to speak in some generalities here. Um, but the California Building Industry Association, um, that's the trade association, trade association of home builders um, here in California, did a big report on this back in 2018. And what they found is that the appliances generally cost the same. So a heat pump compared to a full heating, ventilation, and air conditioning system it cost, the appliance costs about the same here in California. A heat pump water heater compared to an on-demand gas um, water heater costs about the same, a stove, et cetera. Um, the issues, and so that works for new construction. For new construction, you're not going to have any kind of a cost increase or notice any cost differential. For existing buildings, it really comes down to the condition of your building, um, some of the wiring in that building, and then the age of your building and whether or not you need to upgrade some of the infrastructure and in your electrical panel and some of that wiring. But generally, when somebody goes out and says, I want to replace my air conditioning and heating system with a heat pump, um, they're going to get quotes back that are the same as whether they're going to put in a gas furnace with an air conditioner or if they're going to put in a heat pump. If they're going to replace their on-demand water heater, it's going to be this about the same cost. Um, for a heat pump water heater. What it's really going to come down to is how, how ready your house is. And the good news is that these new incentive programs that are rolling out in California actually are covering some of the cost of those electrical upgrades, covering some of the cost of upgrading your electrical panel and your wiring. And so if you just go to the website, switcheson.org, you can see all the access to those rebates that will help you build out some of that, some of that infrastructure. Well, wow, that's really good to know. It's funny because I'm a new homeowner and I have to switch out all of that stuff. Like my inspector told me to, and I'm like, yeah. yes, I'm going to look for rebates. <laughs> Might as well do it the right way, right? Yes, exactly. Exactly. And there's no better time to do it. I mean, we we have um, just, over, just over $500 million in rebate programs that are available to homeowners right now. And just yesterday, actually, uh, Governor Newsom proposed a new billion-dollar infusion. Uh, for home home electrification as well. So there's uh, there's no better time for people to do this. Why is induction cooking better than gas cooking, other than its environmental benefit? That's a great question. Um, the truth is that induction cooking blows the doors off of gas stoves. It's three times more powerful and twice as good a control as your best-in-class gas stove. Uh, three years ago, the Sacramento Municipal Utility District and the Food Service Technology Center in San Ramon did a big study comparing uh, magnetic induction stoves to 
old style electric stoves, radiant that you think of with that old coil and gas stoves. And what they, and they compared the power and the control and the air emissions and the efficiency. And with the, what came back was that magnetic induction stoves, again, just blow the doors off of a gas stove. The two things that chefs care about the most really are power, you know, how quickly you can get food to the temperature you want, and then control. Um, how can you change uh, the amount of heat that's going into the food to be able to get it to exactly where you want to prepare the dish that you're wanting? And so for those two issues, magnetic induction is incredibly, incredibly uh, powerful compared to a gas stove. But the beauty is it's also far safer. It's safer because you don't have a flame in your house. And if you have young children uh, like I do in the house or older relatives that you may not trust around a gas stove, you don't have to worry about that with a magnetic induction. As soon as you take the pot off of the stove, um, that stove turns off and you don't have that same latent heat in there that you have from a gas stove on the grill um, that you put your pans on top of. It's also safer from an indoor air quality perspective. Um, there is an amazing amount of pollutants that come off of our gas stoves. Nitrogen oxides, carbon monoxide, and formaldehyde are all components of burning gas. And I don't know about you, but I've never been good about turning on the, uh, the vent over my stove unless I'm burning something. But the reality is if you have a gas stove, you're always burning something, even if you're doing a good job of the food because you're burning gas and you're producing those pollutants right. um, inside homes. And a study in 2014 from the Lawrence Berkeley National Laboratories um, estimated that about half of Californians are being exposed to levels of pollutants that if found outside would be illegal under the Clean Air Act. We're being exposed to illegal levels of pollutants inside our homes from burning gas. And so the beauty of a magnetic induction is it uses electricity and the only thing you're being exposed to is the the burning of your food. Great. That's good to know. So where can people find more information about what we discussed today? I know you already mentioned the website once, but let's go over that again. Yeah, absolutely. So the Switches On campaign is a go-to resource for any questions you have about building electrification, um, why you should do it, um, how you can do it, and then what are the resources to help you do it. It has a searchable database of a bunch of contractors in your area based on your zip code who can help you down this journey. It has all of the rebates available to you to buy down the cost of these technologies so that it makes it cheaper than the gas alternatives. Um, based on your zip code, and it has one-to-one advisors that can hop on the phone with you and talk to you about these technologies and how to go about accessing them, though. So it's on the Switches On website. SwitchesOn.org has all the information you need about this transition. Great. And is there anything else you'd like to add about what we discussed today? Um, The beauty is that these technologies, not only do they save you money, not only do they reduce pollution, but it's actually a really big quality of life improvement. Um, the quality of heat that's provided from a heat pump, um, time and again, people, when they put these into their homes, they're really impressed by the overall comfort of it. There's a, there's a general consistent comfort level um, rather than the on-off blast of a gas furnace. And the beauty of many heat pump technologies is it also acts as a uh, filter, which we increasingly need during California's fire seasons. Um, when we have smoke in the air, these heat pumps can actually filter out um, smoke toxins so you can still get air conditioning even during the smokiest times. 
And so it's going to be a real benefit as we increasingly move into a reality of, uh, of smoke and uh, fall season here in California. Go to switcheson.org, and um, hopefully we can help you down your electrification journey. Great. Thank you. That was Panama Bartholomew with the Building Decarbonization Coalition. If you would like more information on the Switches On campaign, visit switcheson.org. That's switcheson.org. If you have questions regarding this program, please direct your correspondence to public affairs and care of this station. My next guest is Rowdy Gaines, a U.S. Olympic Hall of Famer, an ambassador for the Pool and Hot Tub Alliance's Step in a Swim program, and Keith Harbeck, president and CEO of Premier Pools and Spas of Sacramento and Central Valley, and partner on Step in a Swim. Thanks for being with us. Could you introduce yourselves and provide a little background on what you do? Well, I'll start. My name is Rowdy Gaines. I'm a three-time Olympic gold medalist, and currently I am the vice president of development and partnerships for the Pool and Hot Tub Alliance. Great. And Keith? Yeah, I'm Keith Harbeck, and I've been in the pool business all my life since 1979, um, and I own Premier Pools and Spas in Sacramento and in the Central Valley. Great. And Rowdy, could you tell me a little more about the Pool and Hot Tub Alliance? Exactly what is it and what's your mission? The PHTA, or Pool and Hot Tub Alliance, is sort of chamber of commerce for everything to do with swimming pools across the country, whether it's a developer, a, a builder, a contractor, a supply company, um, like Premier Pools and Spas, our, our great partner, they are members of our organization, and we serve them in different areas, whether it's education, governmental affairs, things like that. I actually work for the philanthropic mission called Step in the Swim, and that's the fundraising part to where we raise money to give to swim lesson providers around the country to teach children how to swim. That's sort of it in a nutshell. And we'll get more into that in just a minute here. Keith, could you tell me about Premier Pools? When did you launch and how big is it now? Well, we founded Premier Pools in uh, 1988. Uh, Started out just with the location here in Sacramento, and then we've grown from there. So now we're a nationwide company. There's over 100 locations um, throughout the United States. So been building building pools since 1988, and we've uh, been growing just a lot lately in recent years. And my co-host has a premier pool. Just wanted to throw that out there. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you love <laughs> Let's go over Step in a Swim. What is it, and how did you get involved? Well, Cody, I've been involved with the water safety part of my life for, gosh, now it's been about 25 years. I swam in the Olympics, and, and I always was one that thought that water was a beautiful thing. I was born and raised in Florida. I'm a third-generation Floridian. My dad, grandfather, born here. And so water is really the fabric of my being. And even though I didn't start swimming competitively until I was 17, it's always been a part of me. And it literally breaks my heart, and it has always broken my heart when I've read that a child drowns, or anybody drowns, but specifically children, because I know how unnecessary it is. PHTA came to me, our our incredible CEO, Sabina Hickman, and the board, including Keith, who's on our board of directors, um, came to me a couple of years ago and said, we'd love to try to ramp up this spiritual mission that we have called Step in the Swim. We've done an okay job, but we really want to try to raise more money and get more money into the lesson providers around the country so we can teach children literally a life-saving gift, and that is uh, to how to swim, because it's really the only sport in the world that can literally save your life. So that's sort of my um, 
my mission over the last 25 years or so. I retired, you know, back in the mid 80s. And since then, I've been doing a lot of broadcasting. I just called my eighth Olympic Games for NBC last summer in Tokyo. And and we'll continue to do that in Paris and LA coming up. But really, my my day to day mission is, is certainly water safety. So what is the key to learning how to swim? It's not rocket science, yet it's really critical. I'll I'll give you a very important stat. If a child takes formal swim lessons, it reduces that risk of drowning by 88%. And that's really an important statistic because drowning is the leading cause. It's the number one cause of unintentional death in children ages 1 to 4. And second leading cause from 5 to 14. So it is an epidemic in our country. And it and we found the cure, Cody. I mean, we literally found the cure, and it's swim lessons. It, it, it's pure and simple. If it reduces that risk by almost 90%, that's what we're trying to ingrain in parents. Now, getting specifically to your question, floating on your back, I'm not a professional. I can teach them how to swim better. <laughs> right. I'm not very good at teaching them how to swim. But the really, the key component of learning to be water safe is what we really want to get across is to learn to float on your back. Right. That can be an adult, but it certainly can be a child. And a child is much more apt to float on their back because if they can float on their back, they can survive. Sure. Absolutely. So what motivates you to promote this program? For, for me... I have four children. I have four daughters. I have five granddaughters, and uh, I have a lot of a lot of women in my life. And uh, <laughs> I uh, I believe strongly that the memories that I have created within my own family are absolutely amazing when we've been around water, whether it's going down to the lake or the ocean or hanging out by the pool or jumping in the hot tub. It, it doesn't matter. Those are those are great memories for for my family personally. And and it should be that way for families across the country. But unfortunately, when a child drowns, it's devastating, obviously, to the family and in many cases, the community. And so that's why I think we at Step in the Swim, with incredible support from Keith and his entire team at Premier Pools, we couldn't do it without them because it takes money. I mean, pure and simple, it takes money to teach children how to swim. Um, It's not just something that happens. And um and, and I'm just really grateful for them and their support because we're able to get the message out there, the education part of it, but we can literally get money into the hands of swim lesson providers across the country, which specifically go, Cody, to families and children that cannot afford lessons. And Keith, what about you? One of the things I love so much about the program, and Rowdy has already touched on it, is that we're providing swim lessons in underprivileged communities. I think about my business, and I love my customers, and I want them to be so safe around their pools. But the fact is, um, I'm not really serving with my customers in underprivileged community. And the other fact is that children that grow up with swimming pools in their backyard invariably um, become very strong swimmers. And that makes them strong swimmers in lakes and streams and oceans and other places. In the underprivileged communities, they don't have swimming pools in their backyard, but they are going to come in contact with water, right? Lakes, streams, uh, as we mentioned, the ocean, other people's swimming pools, public pools. And so uh, it's, it, it makes me feel so good that that's where we're focusing our primary attention, people who can't really afford necessarily to get swim lessons. And now um, they're able to take their children and make them safer in the water, which is what this is all about. Let's make people safer in the water. You always... You always have to respect the water. As Rowdy says, no one's ever completely safe in the water, right? We have to pay attention and be careful. But if we could make um, as many children as possible just much, much safer in the water, what a great thing to do. 
Now, how exactly do you go about your program? Do you put on the swim lessons yourself, the organization, or do you give the money to help programs that are already in place? Both. (laughs) The answer is really both. A lot of swim clinics and camps around the country, but the clinics and camps I do primarily are for children that already know how to swim that want to swim better. Um, but I also travel all over the country. I think I'm gone 28 out of 31 days in, in October um, alone. And I'm coming to Sacramento um, uh, very soon, actually tomorrow, to do exactly this, to talk about drowning awareness, water safety, because it really should be a positive thing that I'm spreading, this positive message that swim lessons save lives. So m- my goal is, yes, I need to raise money because I have 750 grant requests sitting on my desk right now from lesson providers around the country, including many, many of them from Northern California. California is one of the leading states in drowning. And um, the only way to be able to try to fund so many of these organizations, and by the end of the year, we're going to fund about 200 of those 750, but it takes a lot more money. At the end of the year, we're going to be able to give away about a million dollars. And again, that's thanks to Premier Pools, obviously, a great sponsor, and then our great partner. There's no sponsorship. This is a partnership. And, uh, and of course, PHTA and the board, which matches the money I raise. So if I raise $1,000, that's really $2,000 because Keith and the board of PHTA are so generous to match that gift. And one last point. I'm sorry I'm flapping my mouth, but one last point. Mm-hmm. 100% of the funds that I raise immediately go out the door. My salary is paid for by PHTA. It's not paid for by stepping to swim. That's another way that um, the board really stepped up. And I was very attracted to that job because of that. And Rowdy, one last question for you. What impact has Step in a Swim had? Well, I, I, I think it's over the last two years, it's had a tremendous impact. I mean, we went from the year before I came, I think we gave away $30,000. Last year, we gave away $100,000. And this year, it's going to be a million. So we're, we're taking, we're making great strides. You know, COVID put a dent in a lot of things uh, around the country last year. And one of them was, you know, the pool, where pools shut down literally in 2021. Now, it was a great year business-wise, 20. 2020 and 21 for the pool industry business, but for water safety awareness and swim lesson business, it, it was really a, a, a tough, tough couple of years. But we're coming back, and for me, step into swim literally means saving lives, and, and that's what I'm all about. I mean, there's a method in my mask because I want kids to get involved in the sport because I think our sport is the greatest in the world. But I also want people to be aware that learning to swim is literally a difference between life and death. Now, Keith, how did you come to partner with Step in a Swim? Well, it was through my association with uh, the Pool and Hot Tub Alliance. Um, I recently became a board member and I was um, drawn to that because it's such a great um, association for just promoting our industry and educating people. But I was thrilled when I came to find out there was a whole philanthropic arm um, and it was just it was inspiring to me um, that as an industry, we weren't just looking out for our own interests and, and obviously trying to improve um, our performance and what we do for people, but that this is an opportunity to give back. A lot of us have been in the pool industry and have loved it, and it's been good to us and good to our families. And I thought, isn't this wonderful to have um, a way to do something truly, truly meaningful? Um, there's a lot of um, philanthropy things you can do, but as Rowdy points out, um, this one really has that impact, right? We can save lives. 
Um, right. They can save lives and make um, the, the product that we love and enjoy um, safer and safer for people. Now, how are you promoting awareness of this program? Well, one of the ways I'm doing it um, is just throughout the industry. Um, sometimes we uh, don't communicate well as an industry. So I'm doing the best I can to inform as many builders and subcontractors and pool service people that, hey, this is something um, that's real, um, that's gaining momentum, and we can all have a part in it. So I, I do that. And now we're starting to uh, look at ways to take that to the public, right? We we build a, a thousand swimming pools in Sacramento per year. Well, that's a thousand families we can talk to about this. And we think of ways that we can um, not only donate ourselves, but just make people aware um, that there is this uh, just wonderful um, opportunity um, for them to not only enjoy their own pool, but maybe to help some other families. And what is Premier Pools doing to help make this program such a success? Well, obviously, we've we've donated. But one of the things we're doing um, this month is the in the middle of a promotion, obviously, we're trying to sell swimming pools. That's what we do for a living. Mm-hmm. So we have a great sale this month. It's called the um, Endless Summer Sale. And we're kind of uh, maybe doing our part to try to beat inflation. We're offering discounts and specials and so forth. But that's just kind of the business side of it. It's what we do. Um, but this month, what we decided to do as well is for every pool that we sell, we're going to make a donation, um, $100 per pool sold. And as Rowdy mentioned, that gets matched. Um, so we're hoping to, to make a significant contribution. And Rowdy maybe can speak to um, how many swim lessons can be provided um, to make people safer in the water. And I think he touched on it a little bit earlier. We're not talking about um, keep teaching people the butterfly stroke or the best breaststroke. We're trying to teach children how to float on their backs, right? Sure. And maybe right. you can talk about that, Rowdy. How, how do these donations help? Yeah, that's a good point, Keith, in the fact that uh, again, I, I talked about the 200 lesson providers that we'll be able to impact by the end of the year. Uh, our our grants to these lesson providers are in that five to ten thousand dollar range. Sometimes it can be a lot more. Sometimes it could be a little less. Um, and that is able to provide swim lessons for, as I said before, specifically to children and families that would not normally be able to afford some lessons. So to teach a child to swim, how much does it cost? I get asked that all the time. And and it varies widely. I mean, I, I my own family, I had one child that learned in one lesson. And then the other one, it took about four or five lessons. So it, it's different for every child. But if there's a sweet spot, it's probably somewhere between 50 and a so by the end of the year, we're going to put somewhere between twenty-five and 30,000 children in swim lessons. And, and that's pretty cool in the fact that when you think about, again, swim lessons saving lives, the number of children that, uh, that have drowned in this country. I get a Google alert, Cody, every time a child drowns, and, uh, and I get about 10 a day. Wow. And 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 I want to be reminded every day that the job's not done. I don't think the job will ever be done. I know that we're doing good. I know the money. We're very transparent with it. I'm very transparent with the board. I feel a tremendous amount of responsibility with what what they've been able to provide. Not me personally, but for the. Um, mission step in a swim, and I don't take that lightly. I never have, and uh, we hold our swim lesson providers very, very much accountable. Oh, um, in fact, we only give eighty percent of the funds up front, and then they have to give us a full report at the end of the season or at the end of the year before we release that other twenty percent, whether it's 
videos, pictures, testimonials, how many kids were impacted, um, what lessons they were put through. So it's a very detailed report that they have to give us. Um, and, uh, and so, again, we take it very seriously because uh, Keith and the entire board at PHT and all our, our partners, specifically Premier Pools, have been very, very generous. I really like that. I really do. Now, are there resources for parents, for families, I should say, that have pools and what they should know about pool safety? If you go to stepintoswim.org, it will take you, if you drill down, it'll tell, tell you how you can get involved, how you can donate, where you can find swim lessons. There, We have an incredible partner called Every Child a Swimmer, um, and that's everychildaswimmer.org. Um, that they have a list of providers from around the country, USA Swimming and the USA Swimming Foundation are, are great partners of ours. Uh, you can go to their, their website. There are so many different websites that you can download and just say, uh, or you can just Google, how do I find swim lessons near me? And it'll come up, you know? Um, and then, and then you, you have to dig a little deeper if you're a parent, but I always say that, man, you know, if you're a parent, you need to be that first line of defense. Yes, put your child in swim lessons, but this is really critical. Do not get on your phone. Get off your damn phone when you're around the pool with your children because that's, the, that's been the really one of the reasons why we've had this rise in, in drownings because a drowning can take place in as little as 30 seconds. Wow. 80%, Cody, 80% of drownings happen in front of an adult. In fact, 80% happen within 10 feet of an adult. Oh, my gosh. And it's because they're not paying attention. So mm. really, it's the parent's responsibility to find those swim lessons, but also to make sure that they're watching their child. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Where can people get more information, whether that's the website, social media, on um, Step in a Swim? Well, people here in the Sacramento community can easily just either call us or go on um, our website, premierpoolsandspas.com. There's also the PHTA um, website, but we'd be more than happy to give people information. We'll have it available here um, at the office. We can certainly email people information and answer any questions they have um, over the phone. Great. Thank you. So much good information today. That was Rowdy Gaines and Keith Harbeck with the Pool and Hot Tub Alliance's Step in a Swim program. If you would like more information on it, go to stepinaswim.org. That's stepintoswim.org. If you have questions regarding this program, please direct your correspondence to Public Affairs and Care of this station. My next guest is Dr. Shanisha, volunteer for the American Heart Association and family medicine physician for Dignity Health's Mercy Medical Group. She's here to discuss the American Heart Association's new study on avocados and why they're beneficial to her heart health. Thanks for being with us. Could you introduce yourself and provide a little background on what you do? Absolutely. So my name is Shade Chinichian. I'm a family medicine doctor. I also do functional medicine. I work with Mercy Medical Group and uh, volunteer with American Heart Association. And we do comprehensive primary care for all ages. I want to start by saying Californians love avocados. They're very much a part of who we are. We're the top producer of avocados in the U.S. And, and I've heard, like I'm sure everyone else has, that they have many health benefits, which is why you're here today. The American Heart Association did a study on avocados. And what did they find? So they did a study that found that eating one avocado a day as part of a moderate fat diet resulted in lowering your bad cholesterol or the LDL cholesterol. Um, it, the studies have also shown that people who ate at least one avocado each week had a 16% lower risk of cardiovascular disease and a 21% lower risk of coronary heart disease compared to those who never or rarely ate avocados. 
Um, also replacing half a serving daily of unhealthy fats or processed meat like bacon or butter or margarine um, with the same amount of avocados um, has been associated with a 16 to 22 percent lower risk of cardiovascular events, um, which makes avocados a great food to add to our regular diet. And can avocados help you maintain a healthy weight? Yes, because of the amount of fiber that's in them. So they will help keep you full for longer, and that increase in satiety will help maintain a healthy weight. And obesity has been shown to be linked to cardiovascular disease, so that's another way that um, avocados can be helpful for you. I hear the terms good fat or healthy fats thrown around a lot when talking about avocados. What are good fats and why are they good for us? So we're talking about the monounsaturated fats that are in avocado versus the saturated, unhealthy or bad fats that we find in, you know, margarine or processed meat like bacon, for example. So the difference is the unhealthy fats increase your LDL or the bad cholesterol that gets oxidized and increases plaque buildup in your arteries. And those are the ones that are going to eventually close up that artery and cause a heart attack in cause coronary artery disease, as opposed to the bad fat or the unhealthy fat or the LDL, the HDL or the good or healthy fat are the ones that help um, with your um, circulation and it will help with things kind of be more fluid and prevent buildup of plaque. So it basically offsets the effect of that bad cholesterol. So our goal as physicians when we go and talk about your cholesterol is to boost up that HDL or the good fat and decrease the bad fat. And avocado does both of them, and that's why it's a really awesome addition to your diet. So the American Heart Association has a list of four ways to get good fats in your diet. What are those? So there are many different ways. So different ways diet-wise, you can get them. So avocados are one. You can get healthy fish like tuna, albacore, salmon, sardines. Um, Healthy um, unsalted or raw nuts and seeds are great. They help boost energy and they also provide those um, healthy fats that we just talked about. It increases protein and fiber. You can incorporate, you know, hazelnuts, pistachios, um, you know, walnuts, almonds, and then the different seeds, pumpkin seeds, um, sunflower seeds, um, or chia seeds. You can play around with those. Um, aside from your, and you know, in terms of the diet, just incorporating more healthy fruits and vegetables and anything that's clean, unsalted, more plant-based food um, have been shown to decrease and lower your risk of heart disease. Um, and then along with that, you also want to increase your physical activity um, and make sure that you're exercising regularly, maintaining a healthy weight and avoiding exposure to uh, tobacco products. There's another one. Now, what are the health benefits to simply eating more plant-based foods? So if you're eating enough plant-based food, you're getting a lot of different nutrients. So uh, most of our vitamins and minerals and phytonutrients um, come from these natural sources in basically plants. So if you're getting different colors, incorporating different types of plant-based food, and that's also important, variety is key. So if you're um, having a good amount of like fruits and vegetables and incorporate like 30 different ones in a week, um, that's more beneficial than eating, you know, say lettuce every day for seven days a week. So you want variety in your diet because that also helps with your immune system and your gut health because now you're, that variety also helps maintaining that you know gut bacteria, the healthy bacteria, all of those good things that help with your immune system, your overall well-being, 
um, and, you know, your cardiovascular. Now, you mentioned gut health, which is another term thrown around a lot these days. And I hear avocados are good for that. So why is that? And what is gut health? So your gut health is basically your gut is built up of different kinds of bacteria. Um, and those bacteria can lead to your, you know, microbiome, which is building your immune system. Um, avocados help balance those, create some good bacteria there and um, keep your microbiome balanced. And it's one of those healthy um, foods that will help with that. So if you have a balanced microbiome and a healthy gut bacteria, um, or bacteria group, then you're likely to have a stronger immune system because most of your immune system is in your gut. Um, and that is very useful um, part, you know, have benefit of having avocados in your diet. Now, where can listeners get more information on what we discussed today? The American Heart Association has great resources. Um, they have great recipes that incorporate avocados um, and also more information about how to have, a, you know, heart-healthy diet heart-healthy lifestyle and um, how to be, you know, mindful and work on prevention as well. Great. Thank you. That was Dr. Shanishan, volunteer for the American Heart Association and family medicine physician for Dignity Health's Mercy Medical Group. If you would like more information on what we discussed today, visit heart.org. That's heart.org. If you have questions regarding this program, please direct your correspondence to Public Affairs and Care of This Station.